0: Be with you, and I bring you greetings on behalf of 155 sister churches across Knox County that make up the Knox County Association of Baptists. And uh, God's doing some good things across our association, but I'm absolutely thrilled at what God is doing in Calvary Baptist as you are a people of prayer, a people that's on mission for Him, and a people that desires to make a difference in our city, in our community. Brother Dan, thank you for the invitation. As you kick off a missions conference, a world missions conference, to give me the opportunity to come and and, and share a word today. You didn't tell them that the other guy got stuck in Africa and couldn't come, and so I'm playing. No. Take your Bibles and turn to Malachi chapter 6. Excuse me, Micah chapter 6. While you're turning, that's a hard minor prophet to find. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Just a few of those minor prophets to the left is Micah. Find that. While you're turning there, let me tell you, I was called to preach in Washington State a long time ago. Last six years before coming up to Knox County to serve as an area missionary, I have been pastoring Westwood Baptist Church down in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I know some of you that have moved to the big city of Knox have roots back in Cleveland, back in, at Westwood, and so uh, I bring you greetings from down that way uh, as well. When I was called to preach as a teenager in a youth group, didn't know what that call meant, didn't know the journey that God would take. Me and now my family on. But I do remember being invited by our pastor of my home church to his house on the end of a Sunday evening. And we all held this guy in high esteem. And I just couldn't wait to sit at his feet in his home and, and let him pour into us. There's a couple of us that had been called to ministry that he invited over. And we get there and his wife had uh, set out some goodies for us. And we sat down with our pastor. And he told us a, a number of nuggets that, that I took with me. But one of them that all through the years I've practiced is he said, read, biographies christian biographies of how god has used other people to accomplish his great commission around the world and so so i took that advice in fact i remember picking up a book on ch spurgeon charles haddon spurgeon and this guy could could read greek hebrew and latin by the time he was 11 by the time he was 20 he was preaching to crowds of thousands you know i read that i got a little bit depressed I'll never be like that guy. Picked up a book called Bush Glow, the story of D.L. Moody. Guy hardly had a third grade education. God got all over him, took him to English, England to preach some crusades. And while he was in England, one newspaper actually wrote of him that this guy butchered the king's English. He was generally unappetizing in appearance. I said, now that's a guy I could relate to right there. If God could could use somebody like D.L. Moody, then maybe God could use somebody from the rolling wheat fields of eastern Washington that he's calling out. And I'm here to tell you, folks, if God could use somebody, I'm telling you, if God could use an introvert like me, God could use anybody and anything to accomplish his great purposes. Do you believe that, church? Don't you hate it, though, when God uses somebody you don't think he should be using? Doesn't that just get to you? I mean, we all think that it just takes just the right caliber person, just the right, the right look, the right kind of follower of Jesus. Those are the ones that God can use. I'm telling you, God could use anybody and anything if you're just available to Him. Well, that was for free. I was just giving you time to find Micah chapter 6. I hope you're there by now. Micah chapter 6, some of the greatest verses of Scripture. Down in verse 6 of Micah 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? What does the Lord require of me? With what shall I come and bow before God Almighty? I think it's correct to assume we're in church on a Sunday morning when it's not the going fad any longer. You're here. I think it's good to assume that we're here to worship the Lord. But the question is not, am I here to worship the Lord? The real question I asked this morning, is the Lord pleased with my worship? Is God Almighty pleased with our worship this morning? This idea is, as it says in a question, the question is, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God? The intensified verb there is the idea of coming to God and having such a relationship with God, such an offering before the Lord that you're able to come into the presence of God and stay there and be accepted by God in your worship. Now, as we think about the question, I want to talk about three things this morning. And the first is this. The surprise of the question. It's a surprising question. And you might say, well, Steve, we we are here for a world missions conference and already you're talking about worship. Isn't that a surprise that you would be talking about worship when we're thinking about missions? Well, just hold on for the ride here this morning. The surprise of the question, though, is who is asking it? In Micah chapter 6, we have, have God relating to a whole nation. The sum total of a people called Israel. And if there's anybody that should know something about worship and relating to God, it's his chosen children. It's the Israelites. And yet, verse after verse that he gave them about how to worship and how to relate to him, something was missing. So much so that God says, almost like a judge, he says to them in this courtroom setting of Micah chapter 6, I'm not hearing from you and experiencing with you what I desire. And so the worshipers themselves respond, Well, God, what do we need to bring? God, how do we do this? And I submit to you in the 21st century, in the United States, in the church in general, in in the Western Hemisphere, we're going through a lot of rituals. We get into all of the, the gestures and all of the outward appearance of worship. But we may be in need of asking the same question. God, what do I need to do to come into your presence and to be accepted? to be acceptable in my worship? It's a surprising question because of who is asking it. And many times, especially in these minor prophets, God gets critical of the worship of his own people because he's more concerned not with the outward appearance but the heart of people Do you remember what it says in Matthew chapter 5 where he talks about bringing those offerings to the Lord that if you come to bring your offering and you bow down with that offering. And you remember you have ought against somebody else that you need to just leave the offering and get up and go out and make things right in that relationship with somebody else because God, he will not accept that offering if you're not in a right relationship with somebody else. If If there's some barriers in those relationships, Jesus won't accept your offering. Now the church will Isn't that right, Brother Dan? We never say no to those offerings. You just bring them on. In fact, we're talking about a a special offering here at Calvary that's going to support missions all through 2011. And it's very important that this morning you're hearing the heartbeat of what I'm saying. If we're going to get out there and make a difference in this city and around the world, it comes down to what every single individual is doing in relationship to a response. A life of worship and devotion to the Lord. So you stop and you pause as you start to consider a little slip of paper that's a commitment. God, are you pleased with my life? And Lord, are we in such a relationship that I can relate to you and hear you and be committed to you in constant communication, praying for missionaries? God, in such a way that the way I live out my life in those streets all around this city, I am On target, I'm on mission for you. Your spirit just oozes and overflows from my life, and God, I'll be faithful with the uh, the gifts, the offerings that you've blessed me with. Now, the way this gets down to the practicality is, my family uh, we were celebrating something the other night, and for us to celebrate, we tried out Jet's Pizza. We had never had Jet's Pizza, and some of you you already know Jet's Pizza, but we're we're newer to town. And and I get over there, my wife had called in with a coupon, and as she called in with that coupon she gave me instructions. She told me how much it would cost with that coupon, and, and there was a little confusion on the phone. I could hear her on the phone. They gave her a, a price, and it was higher than we calculated with that coupon, and they, they gave us a higher price, and she negotiated with them, told me they got it right and what to expect, and I get over there, and they, they had the price right, but yet it was a, a, a little bit confusing on that price and the, the, the uh, coupon I had, and when the lady gave me change, and I mean, it was a rush. It was a Halloween evening, and people were coming and going. Everybody wanted pizza for that night. And it was a rush, and she gave me my change as I stepped back, still waiting for my pizzas, I counted the change. And I realized that she had given me an extra 10 back. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I got her. I got her. All that confusion, they were trying to charge me extra. I deserve this blessing that God just gave to me took those pizzas, and headed on home. Got about halfway home, and I thought to myself, you know, when she counts her till tonight, she's going to be in trouble with her boss for at least ten bucks. You know, I wish I could tell you that at that moment, I was so filled with conviction, I turned around and went back. But I was still thinking what I deserved because they were about to rip us off for six bucks. I got the better end of the deal. And by the way, I'm hungry for some pizza. I'm going to get on home with my kids and enjoy these pizzas. Been digging into this message all week. And I'll just be honest with you. I will swing by there this week and drop that 10 back off because I haven't done it yet. Where's your heart? in relationship to God. There's a surprise question, but there's a personal question here. You see, we're talking about a whole nation. God's relating to a whole people group called Israel, and yet God responds, and he puts this in first person, singular. It's a question, what shall I bring to the Lord? And then the Lord responds, and he says, you, you, first person. Very interesting, it's personal that we're dealing with this morning. I know we're talking about the corporate activities of Calvary Baptist Church and making a difference in our city and around the country and around the world. But it comes down to you personally in relationship to the Lord. But then thirdly this morning, it's a question that's already been answered. Look look at this. Here's this worshiper, so-called worshiper, he's confused about not getting much out of worship or his relationship with the Lord, and so he responds and he says, God, with what shall I come? And he talks about as he, as he comes, well, God, I'll bring... A burnt offering. I'll bring a calf that is a year old. That's the expected offering. That's just, that's just the normal thing to do in that time, in that setting, was to bring that calf. But this guy's sincerity, he wanted to go to the next level. He really wanted to hear from God. He said, will it please the Lord with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Now, that would take all the pilot trucks in Tennessee to bring that kind of riches of oil into the church house here today. This was the extreme offering offering he the the extravagant offering that he wanted to bring because he said god i'll do whatever it takes even a thousand thousand rivers of oil thousand rams lord and then listen to how extreme he gets god i'm i'm so sincere i'll even give you my firstborn you see that there now this is extreme it's so extreme because he's willing to give what god does not ask god would never ask for that Some of the pagan cultures, they had a practice, and there was those that would offer up their own children. God would never ask that. But this would-be worshiper says, God, will it take my first offspring? Now, I again ask you, why are you here this morning? No one of us would ever be more sincere than that, than the desires of this guy. And then the question is answered. He has shown you, old man. It's right in front of you guys. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There it is. God distills His Word and all of the religious paraphernalia and all of the extreme and all of the external, even all of our, our, our outward gestures and... Raising our hands or getting down on our knees or however we do worship. And listen, my philosophy of worship is for it to be free. My philosophy of worship is as God calls for you to express your thanksgiving back to him and confess your sins back to him and praise him, do it as you feel free. And if it, I mean, this is a free church. I love this church in the times we've visited here. I see them all. I see high church. I see low church. I, I visit them all. High church. I mean, they're doing the Gregorian chant this morning in some places around us. Low churches. Dan, you have kind of a betweener here. Kind of, kind of in between. What's that mean? It means that, folks, you have the freedom to express your worship to the Lord. If you like to raise your hands, raise your hands to the Lord. If you are not quite wired together to be able to clap, clap and stomp your feet and sing at the same time, that's okay. The best that you can express to the Lord, whether highfalutin or down and dirty, You express your worship to the Lord. If you like to say amen, say amen to the Lord. How about a little amen right now? All right. And God says the answer is right in front of you do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Now you notice it doesn't say to, to love justice and to do mercy. Get these things in the right order. It says to do what is right to love compassion or mercy, and to walk humbly with your Lord. Let's break these things down real quick. To do what is right. Listen to me. I've already confessed to you. I have not done what is right in these past days. And I need to go make it right. And sometimes when we, we raise our children up in the church, sometimes it gets to be about those do's and the don'ts and the legalism spirit. It kind of creeps in. But listen to me. It's not children. Listen, young people, college students, it's not your parents. Always worried about appearance. They're just coming back to the truth of Scripture. There is a place that we just need to do what is right. And God says, man, you want to be a worshiper? You want to be a missionary? You want to be a follower of Jesus? Just do what is right. Didn't have to, you don't have to love it. You just do what is right. Secondly, he says, love mercy. Love mercy. Love compassion. Love looking out and seeing the needs of people and the suffering of people and trying to fix. And help those that are suffering to love mercy. Folks, look out over the streets. Look across our community. Part of what we do as an association of churches is a number of ministries. Camp Bioka is one thing that we do cooperatively. And we give administration through the associational office. Another couple of ministries are are the Baptist centers. And Brother Tom, he directs Montgomery Village, one of our two concern centers. Shannon over at Western Heights. Washington Heights, and, uh, and uh, listen to me. I know you're, you're looking at opportunities to do some Thanksgiving baskets, and, I, man, I, I think it's the greatest thing for the hands and the feet of Christ to do those Thanksgiving baskets. But do you realize, collectively, year-round, not, not just on the end of November, not just on Thanksgiving time we give out food, year-round we have already given out 30,000 boxes of food in our community as an association of churches through the two concern centers. Did you hear that? 30,000 thousand boxes of food and it takes all of our churches and it takes everyone helping us to stock those cupboards and and to meet those needs of the community around us why do we do that not for the numbers listen to me because there's people that do not have what we have and there's people that are hungry and we can help them we love mercy we love to look at and see how we can meet those needs and the third part of what's so obvious is just to walk humbly with god to walk humbly with our Lord. You know, I uh, went to Kenya a few years ago, and when I was in uh, Kenya, I took with me this fellow that was uh, like six foot seven. Big Bill is what I call him. And Bill had never been on an international mission trip to Africa. He went with me, and I tell you, I felt real safe. Everywhere I went, this, this big guy was with me. Played basketball down at Lee University. At one point, we were walking around the streets uh, of Nairobi. And uh, I was, the, the, the road was on a big angle. There was a washout. And I was walking on the bottom of the, the washout. And he was walking on the upper part of, of the, the road. And I was down here and he was up there. He's six foot seven. I came up to about his kneecaps. I, I, I mean, I really literally felt like a midget. He was a giant. And he would just attract the Kenyans. They would just come running up and, and look at this guy and ask if he played basketball. And I mean, he, he just had their attention. I felt so safe with him. I'd been there twice to Kenya. Uh, The first time we we worked in orphanages, we worked with those in need, we preached at Crusades and saw uh, lots of folks come to the Lord. The second time I went back, there had been civil unrest in Kenya. And that meant that in the civil unrest, if you were from one county or one tribe and and people on the other uh, tribes uh, didn't care for you, they would drive you back home to your, to your homeland. Some people had set up shop and they lived in certain communities. But because of the civil unrest, people were driven to their home tribe, their home turf. And as they arrived back home, there weren't places for them to live. And there were these tent villages all over, tents that people were living in. The conditions were horrible. And as I, as I looked out at one tent village, there were, there were needs, and so we went back to town, we brought things out for women, we brought things out for kids and, and food, and there was no water. We came back home, and we raised thousands of dollars to, to put water there in a well so these people could just have water in this tent village. But this idea of walking humbly, listen to what it means. Six foot seven, Bill, we're there, we're handing out uh, the love of Christ, we're handing out the cup of cold water, we're handing out things for, for young and for old these two young teenagers, they said to us, come this way. We want to show you our home. And so they took three or four of us, and we followed them through a maze of, of little tents, little huts that the people were living in. And we get over to their little hut, and they, they point us inward, and, and they, they want us to go in with them. And big six-foot-seven, big Bill, he stoops down to this tent that was about this low to the ground, just a couple of places for these gals to sleep. And they had their possessions. All of their worldly possessions were there at the head of their, their sleeping bags, their bedding. And, and everything they had was right there. And this giant of a man, this friend of mine, who had left his workplace and went on this journey, he stooped down and he crawled in there as they beckoned, come and see where I live. See, to walk with God, to walk with your God, is to walk humbly. It means to stoop. And we've come into this church house today, and I hope you're inducting or seeing why it's so important that before you ever sign that pledge card, that you look into the mirror of God's Word and make sure your life is willing to stoop down for the glory of Christ. We get it backwards, though. You know, uh, we live in a world like this that uh, I was watching television, and this guy uh, in football, he made this reception. And as he made the reception, the ball had actually touched the ground, and he kind of scooped it up as it touched the ground. And he, he rolled up, and he stood up, and he convinced the referee that he had just caught the ball. And the referee, he signaled the catch. And so as he signals the catch, the this was back with, uh, you know, instant replay, the team knew, well, man, this is questionable. We need to get another play off. If we can get another play off, well, then there's no question about this. This is a, a good play. And so the guy, he, he acted like he caught it. He threw the ball. They get back to the line of scrimmage, and they run another play. And then the, the replay comes up on the TV screen, and it shows that it actually hit the ground. And the commentator says, wow, that was heads-up play. Now listen to me, folks. That guy lied to the umpire. That guy cheated. Come on, am I telling the truth? Isn't that what he did? All depends on what team he plays for, right? (laughs) That guy played for the Tennessee Vols, and he he makes that catch, and he he realizes the ball hit the ground, and he stands up, and he sees the referee come running in and make the catch sound, and, and that guy, you know, if he was just he was honest, if he was a man of integrity, he should turn around and say, Mr. Referee, no, I didn't really catch that ball. If he was a Tennessee ball and he did that, man, all of us would coach, call Coach Dooley and say, bench that guy. That guy wouldn't go back to the huddle. He wouldn't go back anywhere near the coach. Why? Because we all say, wow, what a heads up play. Because we have all bought into winning is everything. When God says, stoop down, And walk humbly with me. So I ask you, in the quietness of this final few moments in this auditorium today, praying, oh my goodness, we are people that can just walk and talk with God. Prayer, so important. Going. Your pastor, the staff is inviting you to consider going on a a short-term mission trip. Everyone can do that. Listen to me, you may not have the resources, but if God is prompting, and I'm telling you, He will prompt for you to go. Those resources will come. You just be obedient to the Lord. The resources will come. You will get to Kenya. You'll get to Haiti. You'll get to wherever God is leading you if you'll just be faithful and say, okay, God, count me in. But listen to me, it doesn't take a lot of resources to go down a few streets, just through a few neighborhoods and find yourself in Washington, Western Heights and help us hand out some food or work with some children in an after-school program or share in some discipleship classes with the masses that are coming and want to study God's Word. It wouldn't cost you too much to drive across the river and over to Montgomery Village and work with Brother Tom over there. Short-term mission. Some of you, God has uniquely wired you. You may be in forestry, you may be in chemistry, you may be in whatever subject you're in, but God's going to take the vocation and the skills that He's giving you, but He wants you to take it to a third world country. And maybe here just today, you're willing to say, okay, God, I've been doing all the outward stuff, but I'm going to use all that I am, all that I have for your kingdom purposes. Giving. Oh, Baptists, we're good at this. We just write the check. And send it out to support those missionaries. We've really got this one down. But it is so important that you just do what is right this morning. Would you bow with me? Heads bowed. Father, we come to a conference, kickoff to a missions week that says listen to the call. And God, I thank you for a church that is about the Great Commission. And God, help us to make a great commotion about the Great Commission and really make a difference in our city, in our region, around the world. And Father, how I just pray for each individual. God, this thing's personal. And if we're real honest, we probably would already answer the question, is my worship pleasing to the Lord? And for some, oh, it's just so, so external. God, draw us close. Draw us back. Father, if there's someone here this morning that's just trying to figure this out, just has come into this place of worship, this house of prayer, come alongside these Christians and they're just trying to figure it out. God, how I pray your spirit would overwhelm them and your grace, they would experience it. They can't earn this. They don't deserve it. But your love, your grace, may it overwhelm those that are living without you in this place this morning. Father, but for... Christians, for devoted followers of Jesus. For us, Lord, it's personal. When we leave in just a few moments, will we be like that football player that's trying to convince you, God, oh, I really made the catch? I'm really something. Or, God, will we just humbly say it's time to get out there and do what is right and to love mercy, to love helping. Relieve the suffering. Little tent towns in Kenya. Flooding in the streets of Haiti. The homeless in downtown Knoxville. Father, those that are busting their tail to try to make a living, but they can't pay the power bill. Do we desire, oh yeah, we want to bring an offering to you, but do we desire to do what is right, to love compassion, and to walk stooping down, bowing down before you as King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, hear us, guide us in these final moments of commitment. In your name I pray, amen.